I'm Kim Bailey and she's Fuliana Osborne and you're listening to Inside Exec, Inside Executive. Today we want to explore the question, what should keep me up at night? So what should keep me up at night? Firstly, I want to say that it shouldn't be the things that you haven't done. There's no point in worrying them overnight unless you can fix them overnight. So what should keep you up at night? Should be the things that you're thinking about that are moving you or your organisation forward rather than the negative. So I'm looking at things that keep you up at night should be positive rather than negative. And I know that that's ideal, but if we honestly answer the question, what should keep me up at night? It's the things that are positive, not the things that are negative. Um, Well, I will start with my favourite topic, which is people. People are the most important thing. We hear that time and time and time again. But that would be an item that would keep me up at night. Have I got the right talent management in place? Am I hiring the right people? Am I looking after the people I hired? Am I making sure that I continuously grow the cross-section of talent that we need? So that would be number one on my list. That would keep you up at night? Yes. It should keep you up at night? I believe it should keep me up at night because it's not because even when I'm doing everything right, I like to keep awake at night making sure that I've got this one right because I feel it's strongly about how key it is to success of any organisation. So, so the bottom line out of that, if people aren't, aren't the most important thing to you when, if you're listening, is that what should keep you up at night is the area of your work responsibilities that you think are the most important? I'm just going to mention another couple of headings and then I'll go into them in more detail. Product innovation. Now, how are you going to come up with product innovation without having the right people around you? So you've got to keep asking yourself, what is the, what's, what's the niche in the market that needs to be satisfied? What sort of products are our products current? Are our products relevant? and make sure that we're continuously improving that side of things with using the latest technology. But again, I'll go back to people. So what we should keep me up at night and um, I focus on is the talent management and the product innovation. The third one is regulation and legislation. All right, before some of, some of you might roll your eyes and go, how boring and why does that mean, well, why do we, we understand that we have to follow it, but why should that keep you up at night? It should keep you up at night, not because you're crippled by the idea of, I've got all these regulations I have to follow. Yes, we, we don't want to break the law, but at the same time, we want to think with that within the legislation and within the regulation that we have, whether they in, enforced by the, or sorry, imposed by the organisation itself, or external, particularly when you're working in maybe a global company where you've got regulations that are across countries and they're all quite different, is it takes quite a bit of innovation to think about how can I meet the regulation and still achieve my business results and bottom line. So what you've heard in these first few minutes is that neither of us think that you should be kept up at night worrying about particular individual issues. What we've both talked about is a more broader approach, a more a, a bigger picture, uh, looking at what you're doing and how you're doing it and what you might be doing in the future rather than, I have this problem that I can't solve, 
I have to stay up all night until I can work out the answer or worrying and and by worrying causing yourself illness or injury in some way that somehow that torture that you put yourself through will resolve an issue that is an immediate issue for you in your work environment but what we're talking about are not those things and I personally don't believe that worrying about a problem all night is going to solve it and I don't think it makes it easier for you to solve it in the light of day. That for the most part, if it is an immediate problem, you write it down, you do your risk filter over it, look at the worst thing that can happen, what risks are there to the organisation, to me, all those things, write them down, don't judge them and come back to it with a fresh eye, a fresh approach, have some sleep so that your brain can function properly. I would much rather you see you staying up at night, keeping yourself up at night, thinking about a product innovation, about your people team, about other issues that are not an immediate problem. So when you're up at night wondering about product innovation, I don't think that's the time where you have personally got to come up with a new innovation. You can if you want to, but what should you keep you up at night is, am I creating an environment where people feel comfortable to take time to only think about innovation? Am I encouraging people and rewarding the behaviour where we always come up with ideas and people do not put each other down because that's a stupid idea, we tried it before, it didn't work. So product innovation itself as a topic can keep you up all night, but the caution here is not to try to stay focused on what you personally have to do yourself. You've got a team, you've got a whole organisation, and between everyone, if we've got the right people in the organisation, we'll come up with the right products. It's good. I like the idea of that. I like the idea that we are thinking broadly in, in terms of the team and the environment and the work ethics, and that that's the sort of big picture that I like to see keeping people up at night. If I reflect a bit on the um, regulation and legislation, sometimes we think there's a regulation that is actually not working for the organisation. In fact, it's actually not working for the industry. We Yes, we do have to be compliant, but that's not where it should stop. So I will be thinking about who can we approach? Is there an industry body that we can come together and show that this particular legislation can be modified and still provide the legal protection that it initially was supposed to do, or is it irrelevant, etc. So to me, it's, it's then I'll be up at night saying, who are those bodies that we need to go to? Who are the organisation? Which government contacts do we have? And then I'll work with my relevant areas of the business that specialise in that, and the next day, don't solve it, just have the initial idea and then do something about it the next day. And that could also be if there is no regulation, there is no protection for your industry, there is no overriding or governing body, and you might have identified that there needs to be because of your particular knowledge of your industry or the interaction of your industry with other industries where there is legislation or governance of some kind. So... We're not looking at the beating of the stick, but again, more broadly, at your work environment, your work situation, your work processes, in a very broad picture. The other area that comes to my mind now that we start to think about 
uh, not, as you know, I, I like you to be kept up at night by the positive things, but let's take that one step further and say that, that I think you should be kept up at night by the exciting things as well. So be excited by something that you might think about happening within your work environment or within the industry as a whole. You know, maybe it's a whole change to the industry and be excited by the changes that are coming, the changes that are happening. We all know that that technology moves ahead in leaps and bounds and that you know, in, in another 20 years, I'll make the prediction now, we will have smart machines, we will have robots doing the things that lots of us do now. There'll be less and less tradespeople, there'll be less and less specialised jobs that, that are repetitive jobs that can be taken over by a machine that is taught to do them. And we're talking about intelligent machines, not just the mechanical gears and, and levers. But be excited by change, be excited by innovation, and be kept up at night thinking about what, what that's going to mean to you and to your industry and to your team. So technology, where is it going? How does it help me? Am I up to date enough? Am I involved in the right areas to know what's coming, what's futuristic, what's immediate future? etc. So again, very exciting. Another one is back on the positive theme is to say, am I celebrating milestones and successes within the organisation? This, this is really important because it's not just about, okay, well, we expect you to meet these targets, we expect you to exceed them, or we, we just about done this major project that has been outstanding. We need to celebrate the successes. Are we celebrating them? If not, why not? And how can I, in whatever job I'm in in the organisation, influence that so it become the norm in the organisation? And actually then take action. I know in recent history for me, within one of my other hats that I wear, we have a, a not-for-profit organisation and it has always, had always been the history to recognise and celebrate people's involvement in a world championship and that the that practice died away nobody particularly knows why perhaps it was just that the certificates weren't printed at the time that they needed to go out you know it was probably something as simple as that but no one had the responsibility for the task of recognizing these people and so it just just didn't happen for probably four or five years and then recently just this past six months someone who had previously been recognized realized that since that time no one had been recognized and so she instigated the question and asked the organization why it hadn't happened and went through the formal channels of making sure that it did happen and that it got minuted so that you know as in all good yes minister parlance if it's not in the minutes it didn't happen she made sure that the organization knew was reminded that it should happen and that it did happen and that it would continue to happen. So they're, they're, they're probably the three things that were good outcomes. But she recognised it, she made it happen, she made sure that the process was in place so that it would continue to happen. I don't know that it kept her up at night, but it should have. <laughs> <laughs> Another one in relation to talent management, I think a lot of effort is put into finding the right um, staff, hiring the right resources and training them and growing them and all of that. I think what should keep us up at night is how do we say goodbye to those people. Now, when the time comes for someone to leave, be it a resignation, being, be it a redundancy or being a performance, it's absolutely crucial the way that process and interaction is handled because it's 
it's these people that would feel at the end of the day how they felt about how you treated them and the way they left the organization. So if they resign, for example, and you sort of, I hired you, I trained you, and now you're leaving sort of attitude, that's not going to go down very well. If you do it right, they're more likely to talk about the organization in a very positive sense, be prepared to come back to the organization at a different stage of their career, and that's really important. Likewise, even if it's a performance issue, showing that person respect means that you have fulfilled your obligation to treat them in accordance with the values and behaviors that you signed up for. So talent management doesn't end. It's all the way through, even when the person leaves. It's absolutely no different to when you have a customer who might leave you, you still want them to come back. You want them to think well of you, your organization and product. It's more powerful even to do that with your own team. There's a lot of truth to the cliche that an organization is its people. If you think about that in terms of what we've just heard Foyana relate, what it means is that the impression of the organization relies very heavily on what the people internally think of the organization because they're the ones that show the face of the organization and when they do leave the organization they're the ones that talk about the organization so we've all come across people who will say oh what was it like working at such and such and i say oh you know it was just awful well why was it awful most likely it was because of the way they were treated when they left not what it, because if you then drill down to did you have a good office, did you have good processes, did you have the right sort of equipment, all of those things are generally in place, but it's something about the way they were individually treated, regardless of what level they were in the organisation, that leaves them with the impression that they then promote from that time onwards about what it was like to work there. Now, Fudana and I could both, both talk about a place we worked together where we both left of our own accord. Now I went from an organisation, a government organisation into the private sector at a time when there was a quite substantial difference in the amount of money that was being paid for doing exactly the same work and in the private sector it was vastly, vastly higher than it was in the public sector. But the public sector, you know, when I talk about it and I'll talk about it a lot in these podcasts, uh, it gave me 10 years of invaluable experience. There is no way that I could have worked anywhere in the private sector and got the same kind of breadth and depth of experience in that 10 years at that time of my life. So I remember it as being a very positive experience. And all through that 10 years and even afterwards, you know, the, the catch cry is to say, oh, you worked in the public sector, you know, you're a public servant, you know, did nothing all day. Now, I know we both worked very hard, that our work ethic hasn't changed. All the people that we worked with worked hard and were good at what they did. And so the things that I remember about the organisation, that it was it, it was difficult at times to work there, and that was a, a process, a procedure, a people thing that might have been in place at the time. But the, the feedback that I give to people when they say, what was it like working there, is positive because when I left... I was made to feel like I had made a difference in the time that I was there, that they valued what I had done in the time I was there, they were sorry to see me go, and that they would welcome me back if indeed I chose to come back 
in, in some sort of capacity. And, and in later years, I did go back and do consulting and, and other activities with them. And I felt comfortable about doing that because of the way I was treated when I left. I have to agree with that. I've learned many, many basic things about how to treat people, how to respect what you're doing, how to show loyalty and commitment, how to work hard, how to be ethical, etc. One of the things that stuck with me forever and applies no matter where you work is not just doing the right thing, but being seen to be doing the right thing. Now, I remember one time I was working in Canberra and I didn't know Canberra very well and it's not really known for its public transport. Most people drive. So I actually went from one building to another for a meeting and I used a hire car. Now, I got in trouble for that and I was really surprised. And I thought, why am I getting in trouble? And I said, I, I actually paid for that myself. I didn't um, use any of the organization's money. I paid cash from my own pocket. So why is it? And that's when I had to be reminded again by the question, the, by the thing that said, yes, you did the right thing, but you haven't been seen to be doing the right thing because all people see is a senior executive hopping in a, in a chauffeur-driven limousine at the expense of the a taxpayer. So that's an important lesson is also when what you do is important and people notice. So we go back to that phrase that we're looking for the author of, that is uh, what you... I can't hear what you say, but what you do is shouting. Yes. Words to that effect. Um, what you say, I can't hear. What you do is so loud. If you can attribute that quote to someone, please let us know. Email us and let us know so that we can acknowledge that as well because we're finding that it's a very useful little phrase for our podcasts and we will continue to revisit it. We've strayed somewhat from our question of what should keep me up at night and I think that for the most part we've explored all sorts of things that should and should not keep you up at night and we'd be interested to hear what things do keep you up at night, things that worry you or things, and, and even if it's things that you think shouldn't be keeping you up at night, please drop us a line and we'll address those in a later podcast. We'll actually look at the things that you send to us and we'll address them and talk about, in our opinion, whether we think that should be keeping you up at night or not. And so it gives you a chance to, to bounce your concerns and your ideas off someone else and get some feedback that way. Well, thanks for being with us again today. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Juliana Osborne. Remember to give us that feedback so we can talk about this in a little bit more depth in another podcast and solve some issues for you, perhaps. This is Inside Executive.